everybody. This is Griff with the Unarmed Forces Podcast. And I'm here today with JJ Pinter, or John Pinter, from Team RWB. And this is a first for us, because I think this is the first time that we have interviewed somebody on a podcast. You interviewed us on a podcast first. So this is our first, I guess, flip-flop, if it would be. So welcome, JJ. Welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, we're just going to launch right into it. Would you mind explaining to people your background and, and how you got to where you're at right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm currently the deputy director at Team RWB, and I guess uh, if you don't know what Team RWB is, you can look us up on the interwebs. Um, but I, you know, like you, was a 2001 graduate of West Point and got into the army and graduated. You know, and the war started kind of shortly thereafter, and I ended up spending my time in the first cavalry division. Fort Hood, Texas. I was a field artillery officer that didn't really do any field artillery or very much at all. Um, ended up getting leaving active duty in 2006, stayed in the National Guard for a few years, and did kind of the, the prototypical like junior military officer that gets out thing and went and worked in corporate America, and realized very quickly that I hated it, and you know was essentially looking for a way to kind of transition my life into doing something that had a, a service component to it, and ended up at Team RWB kind of just by serendipity, I guess. So I hope that kind of is concise enough. Well, there are no accidents as as far as I believe. So I'm going to take a quick departure from our format real quick. But can you explain to us why why you hated working in the corporate environment? Just give one reason. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting, right? Because Mm. I, I am... I'm a person who's very results-oriented, and I like to do a really good job at whatever I do. So, so I got into the corporate environment, and there's a part of it that's kind of appealing there, right? Because there are, at the end of the day, it's about you know making money and what your P&L sheet looks like, and that was kind of appealing to me in the sense that it was very quantitative, and I could see like this correlation between how hard I worked and how well I worked and results, and so I get kind of like that fact, but. I guess the thing that started like gnawing in my brainstem, you know, not very long into it is that at the end of the day, the end result of what I was doing was making a bunch of rich people richer. I mean, really, when you want to boil it down, that's really what it was. And I just really couldn't, you know, coming out of the military like you, where you have this kind of like overwhelming sense of purpose and pride and all of these things that you do. And just, I didn't, I had pride in the work that I was doing but I didn't have pride in why I was doing it, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it just slowly started sucking the life out of me, you know, day by day. And it was this weird kind of juxtaposition to be in, right? Because I still was really trying to do well, because that's just kind of in my DNA. But, you know, I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. And I had, I had a quick kind of derivation, right? Because I thought, you know what? I actually went and worked as a employee. I was a government employee and worked for the Department of the Army actually for about a year and I thought well maybe this is a really good kind of middle ground because I can still kind of be in the Army-ish and support the Army but have some stability and not be deployed all the time and the I, I quickly found that that too didn't work as a like just the bureaucracy just it makes you want to stick pencils in your eyes every day because you just can't do anything there yeah there's 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 uh I'm, I'm listening to this book right now and it talks about the, 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 the real hell is the not being able to manifest your, your full potential. Right. And if, if you're in an organization where you can't manifest your full potential, it feels like hell. 
So, yeah, I get it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it was. And, and, and to be honest, so Blaine Smith, who you had on the podcast before, he and I worked together at a company. I won't go into what company it was. And he left first to, to go work to be the executive director of Team RWB. And I actually started, I went to the first ever Team RWB event back in 2010, and I had been volunteering. And I was I started a chapter where I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and I and I got a lot of like I started getting some fulfillment, a lot of fulfillment out of the volunteer work I was doing, just being in my community, much more fulfillment than I was kind of in my actual day job. And then I had the opportunity to to kind of jump over and do that full time, and you know, didn't look back. Yep, you never do, right? You talk to anybody who's done it, and they say, I. There's no remorse, right? You, you make less money, you work harder, you work longer, but there's zero remorse in doing it. Yeah, there, there were some very practical considerations up front, you know, because Team RDB was a very different place and we didn't have any health insurance and all those kind of things. So we had to work through a few logistics because, like you, I have a family, but my wife was super supportive and we made the leap and it's been almost five years now. Yep. All right, so let's go. You're, you're five of it, but we just really try to focus on the last year. So what's been your biggest challenge over the last year? i tell you, we have, the, the organization has essentially doubled in size almost every year. So 2016 was a big year of really like adding staff and adding capacity for us. So the, I, I would say the biggest challenge was just kind of trying to, to grow deeper and wider at the same time. One of the things I've come to realize is that it's really difficult to to focus on growth and also focus on efficiency at the same time in a, in a business. And it was really a growth year for us. So it was challenging because we take the hiring process really serious. So, so kind of growing the business while still trying to keep the quality of our programs up at the same time was, was a big challenge. Yeah, and you guys started, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I can vision, I can close my eyes and picture it in my head, but as a, as a bootstrapped company, right? As a we bootstrapped have, we have, foundation. We've bootstrapped this company. Something I'm very proud of is that we've never taken one penny of credit. We have been an entirely cash-run organization from the beginning, and we're, you know, we're going to be a long time here. Um, and so, you know, those are definitely, we're not a manufacturing company. I can't look to next September and say, oh, we're going to, sell X amount of widgets. It's it's very seasonal and it's very dependent. So trying to find that like that balance of where you feel safe investing in the company versus also keeping enough reserve on hand to make sure you don't get yourself into a pickle. Yeah. Um, so it, it's very weird because we're going through this phase as well, right? Going from a, a bootstrap company to nationally recognized brand with exponential growth. Yeah. It's, it's it's a challenge, right? And it, it affects your, your daily rhythms, your mindset, how you manage problems, you know, how much further you have to, to think ahead of your current situation or the way you've been thinking for the past two to three years. And uh, I can yeah. only imagine the, the, the steps you guys are going through every day. So with that... Yeah. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. No, it was, so with that, how, how have you guys negotiated these struggles? How have you guys worked through these challenges over the past year? Yeah, I think there's been a couple things that have really been helpful to us. One is that we have maintained a just a laser focus on what it is that we do and our mission. And that might sound really simple, but I see this a lot in the nonprofit space, this kind of mission creep that happens. You know, because 
you know, maybe there's a grant and that you could go get and then you could start doing something a little different. So you start doing something a little different or, you know, like, oh, we're going to get in like the, the, the veteran homelessness space one day or the veteran education space or whatever it is. And so for us, maintaining like a laser focus on what it is that we do and what success looks like has been one of the ways. And then the other way, I think this is hands down the key to our success is, and this sounds like it's like so cliche to say really focused on having the right people on the team, but just having the right people on the team and staying focused on that. I mean, I, I think hiring is just so important to us. And, I, and I, I've got some fundamental disagreements with the way that hiring is traditionally done kind of in the business world. There's a, in my mind, there's just huge incongruencies between what, what, you know, what you're looking for in the hiring process and, and what you actually need in an employee. So having a hiring process that works for us, that allows us to bring people on the team that are going to thrive and flourish. Yeah, it, it, it sounds odd, but I was with Blaine, I think it was last August in D.C., and it was the first time him and I connected uh, since, essentially since the academy, and we were just sitting down and talking about you know, how we like to run organizations and the teams that we like to build, and something we'd missed from the military is having a, a team of A-plus personality people who can work in a team-oriented environment and doing everything you can to create that environment again in your everyday life as a civilian. Um, and he was just describing his mentality on it. And he says, I will never apologize for putting the caliber of people, you know, together that I have put together and getting them to take less than they, than they're worth essentially on the open market because they believe in our purpose and they believe in our mission. And that, I mean, I was, I, mean, I have to say it, but it was kind of a pivotal moment for me and my hiring process and going, you know, you are a purpose-driven company. If you can communicate that to people, if that's what they value, then they'll contribute their life, talent, and skill to your organization to fulfill that purpose. So, yeah, I, I love yeah. what you guys are talking about, putting that that caliber of people together in a group and being very deliberate about your hiring process. That's awesome. Cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, we, you know, we got some, some I think, justified criticism in the early days for kind of a lack of diversity on our team. But we didn't have a lot of money to hire people with. They were asking people to come do difficult work for not much money. And we were able to kind of, you know, we were in our networks and we, those were the people we were able to kind of bamboozle to come work for us. And it's like, look around at the caliber of people we have. Like, I wish that we had more diversity on our team too, but I'm not, like, we, we got a bunch of A-plus people and I'm not going to apologize for hiring A-plus people. And we're going to try to do better in the future. Agreed. Right. So now we get on to the uh, the secret sauce, as Blaine would call it. So what's your what you what do you believe is your secret to success? Uh, me personally, or kind of our organization? No, that. you as a person, man. <laughs> which which JJ's secret? Uh, well, a couple things, but you kind of hit on it earlier. I, I think surrounding yourself with the right people is so important. I, I heard a quote. You are the average of the people you, the five people you spend the most time with, and and I could not agree with it more. So, being putting myself around people who constantly are are pushing me to learn more and do more and and be more productive and be more efficient, I, I think that is it. And then you know the other, I'm I'm a huge reader, and I think that's contributed probably more to my success than anything else. Leaders are readers. I don't. When I say read, I don't want to be disingenuous. I listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts. I also read traditional books as well. But I guess consumer of information is maybe the better way to put it. 
Yeah, it's uh, I can't remember where I heard it, but you know, you started as an entrepreneur, and you listen to all the different business podcasts, and and they just say it's it's those it's those gaps in times, those opportunities you have to consume information that gives you the the jump on your competitors. And yeah, whether it's a short walk to work or your time in the car, are you listening to the local radio station? You know, do fart jokes, or do you have a book on business finance going in your car? You know, are you What's listening to personal leadership? Things like that. Like that's where that margin is made. Something that I've really found helpful to me personally, and I got some of this from Blaine, is that reading, consuming information that's not about necessarily what I'm doing at the time, I found to be really useful. So when I was in the Army, I didn't want to read books about military history about a bunch of generals. Um, I loved reading books about, you know, Silicon Valley tech startups or whatever it was, right? And trying to, to glean some nuggets out of that. And now I have no desire to read books about nonprofit leadership. Um, you know, I, I love to read other books that are that are related in other fields. Like I'm really into reading behavioral economics right now and stuff like that. And I'm really, really into kind of stoic philosophy right now. And I love reading that kind of stuff and seeing what kind of insights that I can pull away from it to what I'm doing. That's awesome. So uh, now to, to the last kind of thought thought involving question is what rhythms or routines that you have in your life that you believe contribute to your success? Yeah, man, there's, there's two things that really stand out to me. One, it's like, I'll start with a very tactical thing. I use this email technique called Yesterbox. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. Elaborate, please. It has been borderline life-changing for me. Uh, I'm not, I hate email. I'm not very good at email. So Yesterbox is very simple. It's just a technique. You answer yesterday's email today. That's it. And so it sounds very simple, but what's great about that is you have a, you have a fin, like an end point. And my goal is to be done with yesterday's email by like 10 o'clock. And then I close my email and I'm done with it. And I can use the rest of my day to actually like think, you know, hard and strategically on big complicated problems and, you know, interact with the people I work with and not be on some like email mousetrap or email like hamster wheel all day. That has been huge for me. The other thing that's like maybe a little bit more esoteric and less tactical is, is like my morning routine. And that sounds simple, but I've gotten a morning routine down that works really well for me. And it's got a couple key components. Uh, one, one is reading. I, I read something every morning when I wake up. Uh, a second part of it is gratitude. I write a thank you note to somebody every day. And I can't explain how wonderful that's been. And then... I also, I didn't like transition. I have kids that get, get off to school. So I try to make my kids a healthy breakfast every day. So like I, I cook them breakfast and listen to an audio book every day. All while having a cup or two of some high quality coffee and like doing that just kind of like gets me going and like in the right frame of mind to kind of just attack and slay the day. And then I do yoga virtually every day, which is like the other thing that I think keeps me focused. Yeah. The... I like yoga and the fact that if you, uh, the, the saying is, if you don't go within, you go without and yoga is about looking in. So yeah, it's, it's good to have uh, good to have that in your daily routine. I got, I got a little bit of that as well. So, but I think the, the theme that we've seen here from all of these unarmed forces podcasts we've done is you got to own your morning, right? And that's uh, it, I mean, it's been the uniform response and virtually every single one of these podcasts is you just have to straight up own your morning and that really helps you dominate your day. Hands down, my most productive, the most productive time of my day is in between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. 
period, like every day, because my kids aren't up yet. I, I have some time to myself. I can think, you know, I can read, all those kinds of things. That's that's the best part of my day, and it kind of, and my productivity goes downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. I was literally having a discussion with my wife twenty minutes ago about what's the best time of the day to be focusing on work. So. I, I agree with you. The mornings are the best. And uh, our buddy Chris Albert from Warrior Soul Podcast, and he says he gets up at 3, and he answers everything, and he's essentially done for his day by 8. So by the time everybody else wakes up, he's answered yesterday's emails, given clear direction for today, and felt like he's had a sense of accomplishment. And it, I guess it goes back to that military analogy of we do more before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. And I guess he, he carried that forward into his personal lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I, like we were just talking about this before we started recording, you know, my life is pretty chaotic, you know, with Team RWB and kids and everything else. And that doesn't jive real well with my personality. I'm, I, I like to be, like, very prepared for things and have things done ahead of time. And I don't like to be rushed. And I've had to kind of get used to that to some extent. But getting up early has been one of the ways that I mitigate that because I don't like the feeling of being unprepared. That's the worst feeling, going into meetings unprepared versus going into a meeting confident. It's a very binary on-off switch. One is a feeling yeah. of love and pride, and the other one's a feeling of just fear and desperation. I, I can't stand. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a, the, the dividing line between the two is about 15 to 20 minutes on most cases. So What I found is I'm a terrible multitasker. Uh, what I, I end up doing multiple things badly, and mm. I've gotten a little bit better at just you know, if I'm spending time with my family, I put my phone down and I sit down with my family. If I'm focused on work or I'm trying to write, I shut everything else down and I focus on that and try to you know, have some economy of scale a little bit. That's awesome. All right. So last one. It's the easiest one. Where can people follow you? Well, I'm, I'm like the world's worst on social media. I'm not, I, I just like social media. I'll be perfectly honest. But I am on all kind of the normal places you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but the, the if, if you really want to get a hold of me, the best way is to send me an email, and I will send you one back tomorrow, not today. So <laughs> you, you can you can get it on the TMI Review webpage. That's awesome, and so yeah, cool. Well, we'll just direct everybody to teamrdbb.org, and you can find JJ's information there. JJ, you want to have? Do you have anything else you want to leave for the unarmed forces? No, man, I, I love what you guys are doing there. Uh, I, I think one of the cool things that I see kind of happening in, as the world is changing around us is this movement to like brand communities, right? And I just, I love like the vibe of what you guys are doing and keep it up. That's I right cool. now have my Unarmed Forces t-shirt on underneath my North Beach fleece because it's freezing cold here. <laughs> awesome. Well, we appreciate you uh, wearing it so close to the heart and being a part of our community. So thank you very much. This has been the Unarmed Forces Podcast with J.J. Pinter from Team RWB. We're out.